Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Off the Shelf, you guys out there in Blog Talk Radio Land, Rainbow Soul, iTunes, and however you tune into Off the Shelf. I, I want to begin with this thought, and this is from Simone de Beauvoir. Hopefully I'm pronouncing the name correctly. And the thought is, change your life today. Don't gamble on the future. Act now without delay. Change your life today. Don't gamble on the future. Act now without delay. There is a movie giant who's been, you know, exited this world. John Singleton, he did Boys in the Hood. And I'm, I think of so many people who did the act today. They made the, did the changes they wanted to make. And when they depart this world, they leave gifts, talents, movies, books, lessons back that others coming behind them can either enjoy or learn from. But if you don't act today, if you don't make that change today, if you gamble on the future, if you don't act now, you keep putting it off, you won't be able to leave those blessings behind. And maybe that's how we go on and on and on by what we do right now. I wanted to tell you that you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf. Want to welcome you to this first first Saturday in May, May the fourth. And for those Star Wars fans, they say May the fourth be with you for Star Wars. This afternoon, I'm headed though for Marvel Avengers Endgame with my nephew. So excited about that. It's rainy and cloudy here where I live, but still a beautiful, beautiful day. I want to thank you for joining us. We have an author on deck for you, 14 years here. We've been doing Off the Shelf for 14 years. We don't have a lot of guests who come on. Most of our guests come on. They talk about their novels, uh, uh, whether they've been on Essence bestseller or New York Times bestseller or they're just starting out. But this guest is one of our nonfiction guests who's has written a nonfiction book who's come on, and he's talking about a topic that we don't cover that often, and it's wealth, building wealth and manifestation. So get ready, get ready for what he will share with us today. But before we introduce him, got to ask you, got to ask you, do are you a good mystery sleuth? If you like Monk, Columbo, Agatha Christie. Now, Columbo, they tell you they let they let you see. I love Columbo. They let you see who did what, but they you don't know why, you don't know who all was involved, you don't know all the connections, and still knowing, you still will watch Columbo. I mean, they're masterful with that, but that's trying to figure out. We do that in our daily lives. Why did so-and-so do that? I think I know why he did that. And sometimes we get ourselves into trouble because we're wrong with what we think a person's intentions or motives were, or even if they were involved. But we like mystery. We do love mystery. If that's if you really, really, really have a strong hunger drive for figuring it out, who done it, I really encourage you to get love pour over me. But not only for that, if you love romance, because there is a true soulmate relationship in here, you're going to have to follow the story along to see how it develops and what happens at the end of the story. But there's a complicated father-son relationship as well. 
for children whose parents might have struggled with alcoholism, I think you might be inspired and encouraged from reading Love Pour Over Me. Last last thing, so there is the mystery. There's a murder mystery in the story. There's a mystery. There's the the soulmate relationship, the complicated father-son relationship, which shapes Raymond, the main character in the story. And then there are these four guy friends. It's not something you even hear about. You hear about women friends, but not a lot of guys who are friends for a lifetime. If you value any of those, friendship, romance, just relationships, period, and also mystery. I encourage you not to wait. Go get a copy of Love Pull Over Me by Denise Turney. You can get it in ebook or in print format. So please treat yourself to Love Pull Over Me today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And today's off-the-shelf guest is James Goy, and I want to, I think, I'll be correct me if I'm misspelling his uh, name when he comes on, but I want, I mean, mispronouncing his name, last name is spelled in case you're looking for his books, James G-O-I, so it's G-O-I, James G-O-I Jr. Now, James is known as the abstract money guru. He is a songwriter, and he has appeared in the movie Think, The Legacy of Think and Grow Rich. He his works with meta he works with metaphysical self help and spiritual concepts. Books that James has written include How to Attract Money Using Mind Power, Ten Metaphysical Secrets of Manifesting Money, Advanced Manifesting Made Easy, and The God Function. I encourage you to visit James online at and I'm gonna spell it James so J A M E S. G as in good, G-O-I-J-R dot com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-G-O-I-J-R dot com. Please let us give James a warm off-the-shelf Books Talk Radio welcome. Welcome to Off the Shelf, James. Thank you very much, Denise. It's really great to be here. And we are honored to have you. And want to hear what you share because you know one thing is – about the power of our mind I'm thinking about Neville Goddard I read a book by him called The Five Lessons Years ago There's so many books out here Years ago there was a book that um, It came from a scripture Enlarge My Territory And I forget who exactly wrote it But he his books were flying off the shelves So the end the, the secret by Rhonda uh, I think it's Rhonda Byrne But the the interest in these books And in using our minds to create, if not wealth, experiences that we want to have, because I think that's what we really want. It's just uh, from YouTube videos, deep meditation videos, to books, to visual, visual visualization, to positive affirmations, to goal setting. This this is a, a topic that people have deep and broad Interesting. So very much looking forward to what you share. But it sounds so easy, but is it really that easy if only a few are actually pulling it off? So before we dive into that, I want to ask you three to four questions we ask every guest because our listeners want to get a little familiar with the guests before we launch into their books and other things they have to share. So to begin, James, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up. 
Well, I uh, grew up in New Jersey, and I was born in Newark, New Jersey, and lived in a couple little towns around Newark growing up. And uh, just, you know, my family was uh, just kind of like working class uh, background, you know, nothing nothing spectacular, just, you know, honest, hardworking people, basically, is what I come from. Okay, so what part, I, I, now see, I... I worked and lived in uh, Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. I was in Trenton, New Jersey. Were you were you f- closer to like New York City? I'm thinking Newark, Newark, New Jersey. Well, so New Jersey, yeah, so, so like North, towns. yeah, right. That whole area very close to New York City. Uh, when I was a teenager, we'd go over there sometime. We'd go through the Lincoln Tunnel to go goof around over in the city. We called it. And uh, but I I had my first half of my childhood in uh, Nutley, New Jersey. Uh, home of uh, Martha Stewart, and, and uh, as a matter of fact, my mother, still living, was in the same uh, high school year with Martha in Nutley. Also, Robert Blake comes from Nutley, New Jersey, and uh, so that was my mother's side of the family there, my grandmother, and, and then an adjoining town, um, Belleville, New Jersey, was where my my grandparents, uh, my father, you know, my father comes from Belleville, so I lived my, I, we ended up moving over there, and I lived my second uh, part of my childhood over in Belleville. So that was my stomping grounds. Okay, Martha Stewart and Robert Blake and your mom. and New Jersey has so many little small towns. You could say a town in New Jersey and people, what are you talking about? <laughs> Indiana has a lot of little small towns. A lot of people don't know either. But it's New Jersey, I think, is a beautiful, beautiful state. And it's right there. It's, a, it's near Pennsylvania. It's near New York. It's just so many different states. Right there, uh, nearby it. Um, so, the next question I want to ask you: Grew up in New Jersey. What did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? When you were like maybe seven to ten years old, what did you say? This is what I want to be. Well, <clears throat> I remember <clears throat> that I was always interested in having money, like being, you know, quote unquote rich, because uh, we never had a lot of money. And that was one thing. But I just had a few normal uh, things like, I don't know, rock star, secret agent. You know, I used to watch uh, uh, Mannix and Barnaby Jones, you know, those uh, canon, those uh, detective shows from the 60s. And um, But one thing is that those shows were all set in, uh, I like the Mod Squad, those shows were all set in California. So in my childhood, somewhere along the way, I, I, I developed the uh, – I didn't quite know what I wanted to be or do, but I want—I knew where I wanted to be, and so I would—I used to say, uh, you know, like when I was 16 or 17, well, I'd like to—I like to move to California. You know, that's—that's that's where I—that's where life is good, is what I thought. You know, you kind of. And then when I was 19 years old, uh, when I was 19, I—I I did move here. You kind of—you kind of led into my next question, and it's so funny. After doing Off the Shelf for nearly 14 years, I've seen guests do this over and over. I asked them one question, and they, and what, they don't know the questions because like, I don't give them out in advance. It keeps the show more fresh. But the guests will lead into the next question. That has happened so many times, and you just did it. So I was going to ask you next, why did you move from San Diego? You moved from New Jersey to California. Why did you move from San Diego to Burbank? Did the acting bug, had it bitten you? The acting bug had bitten me. I had been taking uh, acting lessons on and off and, and private coaches and stuff in uh, San Diego for a number of years. Um, 
one one of the classes I went to, uh, um, Gordon Jump, you know, WKRP from Cincinnati, Mr. Carlson, who was uh, he had a, yes. a uh, interest in that school, and so I got to meet him on our last class. That was great, and uh, he was the Maytag man also. Some people don't remember that, but um, but the, yeah, finally, you know, I thought I got to either kill or cure this acting bug, and so uh, I, my, me and my life partner Kathy, we moved to uh, Burbank. And I started up with some more classes and uh, coaches, and uh, um, I never got paid for anything except for I was a, an extra on a General Hospital, which made me a big, a big star back in New Jersey, for, especially with my aunt because that was her her favorite show. Uh, Congratulations! And, uh, well, thank you. That was my big acting, you know, highlight. I did some student films, and uh, I, I got a few leading roles in a couple of little films, but, you know, short, shorts, like 15 minutes or whatever. Um, and I loved acting. I loved being in front of the camera. But I didn't like everything else that went around the, the business. It's such, a, it's such a hard, cutthroat kind of a thing. And so I was already well into my 30s, and, you know, I just kind of, I was already into the writing thing, and I just thought, you know, Lifestyle-wise, writing is the thing. I'm basically a, a recluse by heart, you know, kind of a lone wolf, and I like to be home. I like to spend time by myself. I like to read. I like to write. And so that's the direction I went in. But, of course, things came around a few years back when I got to have a, a small part in the uh, Thinking Grow Rich movie uh, starring, you know, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank and, and Rob Deerdeck and, and some other names. And uh, so that was really great. And I, I do I, I do have an interest in filmmaking now, and uh, I have an idea for a movie script. And so at some point, I I would like to think I'm going to uh, spend more time and energy actually moving in that direction. Uh, I wouldn't mind being in, in front of the camera. I wouldn't mind, um, you know, actually producing something or, you know, writing something. But that's not happening at the moment. Same thing with my music. I'm a songwriter couple of my 10 books are of my song lyrics, but I haven't done anything professionally uh, with it yet. Okay, now you kind of, when you tipped off, that was a, uh, a question I was going to ask you. What was it like appearing in the movie, Think, The Legacy of Think and Grow Rich? What was that like? Were you like being interviewed in the movie? Uh, what, what was that experience like for you? Well, I, I drove up to... Um, what was it? Uh, Los Angeles, I guess, and uh, from San Diego. So it's a long trip. You leave like nice and early. You don't want to be late. It was a Saturday morning. Uh, my filming. I was the only one uh, being filmed either that day or that part of the day. I did not meet any, you know, anybody else that was featured in the film. Of course, I met the director and the, the producers. Um, and basically, you know, like it's a 45-minute <clears throat> interview quote-unquote, and I say quote-unquote because, and by the way, 45 seconds shows up in the film, so you, you know, you cut it way down, uh, and before I forget, I'll tell people, uh, if you watch the film, don't turn it off when the credits start, because my segment, along with nine other people, is during the credits, you know how they run the credits, but then oh, you okay. there and you've got something going on, and so that's where I am, um, but with me, like, so they normally the process is, and I, and I guess they told me I'm, I'm the first person who did that, but they, um, the, the process is they kind of ask the, the interviewee questions and, you know, that prompts them of what to talk about. But with me, uh, they asked me, uh, you know, 
basically, do you want me to start you off with a question or something? I said, no, let me just kind of roll with it. And I talked for 45 minutes solid, never had to be asked one question. <laughs> so it wasn't actually, you know, an interview in that sense. Um, but they just turned me loose, and I talked about the book, Thinking Grow Rich, uh, and the principles as as I understand them, what what they've meant in my life, and you know how I've used them or whatever. And that 45 minutes was brought down to 45 seconds, which doesn't sound like long, but when you think the movie's only 90 minutes, and you've got a lot of you know big names in there, especially in the self-help field, but even people like Barbara Corcoran, who everyone knows. Uh, 45 seconds is really a nice little chunk of time, and it's actually a little more time than some people that are before the credits got. So I'm extremely happy with it. I've, I've watched it, of course, more than once, and uh, it's just a real honor and pleasure and a great experience and might open doors for other such types of things in the future. You never know, and that's a right attitude to hold about it because you never know what, what the next – you never know. It could be years later, people get a phone call, oh, I saw you in, and you would have forgot about it. Tell us, please, James, what attracted you to metaphysics? Well, I never had any uh, exposure to it, really, at growing up. So here I am now, a young adult, and I'm in California for a couple few years, and um one of the first things I did um, consciousness expanding wise was I did the the EST training EST uh, that was big back then and uh, it was, there was no advertising or anything but it was this transformational quote unquote two two weekends <clears throat> long days Saturdays and Sundays with Wednesdays in between um, but it was at that around that time I started finding my first books <clears throat> on um, metaphysics, mind power, spirituality, manifesting, you know, that whole type of mindset. And it just really fascinated me, gripped me right away. No one had to convince me that what I was reading was true because I had always felt that growing up that like there's something missing. Like what, what is everybody not talking about that's, you know, and it was really important and I knew there was something there, but I didn't know what it was. Well, what it was was that we were all creating this, this, uh, play here with our minds every our experiences were unfolding from our minds and i felt that i knew there was something missing there was something real important that i didn't know when i found these books thinking we're rich being one of them uh, i realized that there's the missing key it's mind power it's it's spirit it's spiritual reality and so that really set me uh, I just read book after book after book. I was haunting old bookstores and swap meets and yard sales. And um, I've had several libraries over the years, but I've moved around a lot. So I, I currently have uh, well over 2,000 books, probably approaching three. But several times over my life, I've had to get rid of all of my books, literally. And um, But the subject just gripped me within the first few years i was actually teaching about what i was learning in small venues like a metaphysical bookstore circuit in san diego lived over in sedona arizona for a while which is a hub for this sort of thing and taught over there and then um eventually you know had the idea for my book and um i had written some other things that didn't quite follow through on them you know i had some <clears throat> small booklets that i wrote for my classes and things that i used little staple jobs but um but i finally got the idea for my book and little did i know it would take me nine years on and off 
uh, writing the book. I read hundreds of books in the meantime. I collected hundreds of quotes. I whittled it down to the 160 that I use in the book. And so it was a real uh, – I taught myself to write during that time. I didn't know how to type. I eventually had to learn how to type and eventually had to get a computer and learn how to use because I knew nothing. Uh, and I only did that because of I knew that I'd need to if I wanted you know, to get my book out there. And uh, so it was a long journey. Now, you know, nine years start to finish to uh, to get that book out. <clears throat> I have other books that I've written in uh, one book I wrote in four days, another, another couple maybe uh, uh, another one uh, like two days. And so it's just, uh, just kind of amazing to me. But now I've got ten books out there and a few others I'm working on. Wow. You know what? Here, again, I'm going back to Neville Goddard, and there are others, Marion Williamson, and I think Oprah, to some extent, I don't know how much she really believes in it, but um, there are people who say that there is no external world, that it doesn't exist, everything. And I think The Matrix is the movie that might come the closest to showing they never left those chairs, although they're the movie goer, they're doing all these physical things. But it's all happening in their mind. So some, though, would say it's when things happen to us, like if you get sick or somebody argues with you or treats you poorly, you're like, no, I didn't cause that because I didn't want that. And you you really, really, really didn't want it. But it happened. It did happen to you. So some say that metaphysics or this mind event link has no basis in reality. Do do you agree with this point? When you really look at things that happen to people and they say, there was no way I wanted that to happen. Right. Excuse me. Well, people, they make a mistake in that kind of a philosophy because they don't understand how mind power works. How do you understand how the universe works? The universe does not give us what we want. It's not sitting there. Uh, ready and willing to say, oh, just tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. The universe gives us what we create. And how do we create? Well, we create through our thoughts, through our feelings, through the images we have in our minds, and through the emotions that we feel. And, of course, uh, well, I said feelings, so that's emotions. And, of course, the words we speak reinforce our images and reinforce our thoughts. So the subconscious mind works predominantly on images. Now, if I have an image of some accomplishment I want to do, have, make, and I feel positive about it and expectant and I think I can do it and I'm working towards it, well, there's the uh, ingredients of manifestation. I have an image. I have thoughts regarding that image, and I have strong emotional content attached to it. The, the subconscious mind slash universe, and I say slash universe, not not am universe sometimes, because there's really no clear line separating the two. And but, and then eventually, okay, I get the thing. Now let's look at someone who says, well, I, this and that happened to me. I definitely didn't want that. Well, how about if they really, really didn't want it? So they had an image of this thing they hoped didn't happen. They had thoughts about what it's going to be like and, and what it's going to cause and what the ramifications of this are going to be. They had they maybe spoke about it. Oh, I hope I don't lose my job. They're cutting people back at work and this and that. And they had emotion. They had fear and trepidation, really, really hoping that this thing doesn't happen. Well, you know, the saying, um, 
you know, the thing I, that which I feared the most has come upon me. That's, a, that's a, a teaching in the power of the mind. So if we understand that it's not what we, whether we get what we want or not that proves mind power, it's whether or not what's going in our, in our minds is coming into our lives. And here's a thing that some people find interesting or surprising is that my statement that everyone is using mind power. Everyone is manifesting, and they're doing it all the time. Why and how? Because they are thinking thoughts. They are having images in their mind. They're having emotional content, feelings associated with that, and they're speaking. They're talking. We're basically speaking, thinking, feeling, and imaging our reality, financial or otherwise, into existence on a moment-to-moment basis. And so what you were talking about uh, a few minutes ago, some people think that there's nothing out there or it's, it's kind of like the matrix where everything's happening in your mind. Well, this is exactly what the mystics have been saying, exactly what you just said, and modern physics, quantum physics. When we, when we look at quantum physics, we come to understand that there actually is nothing happening out there. This is all an internal process. There is nothing, if you take a strong enough microscope and look down at the, the very seed of creation, there's nothing there. There are no solid particles. Nothing is solid. This is all energy, and it's all consciousness, and it's all malleable. And we as energy and consciousness can govern how the picture we're seeing plays out. So some people will, will if they, especially if it's new to them, they're not going to really accept that there's no physical world there's no physical universe because it's just too far of a stretch if it's a new concept but if you look into if you read some you know mystics or spiritual teachers if you start to study up on quantum physics a little bit and you look at the facts uh, of the findings of quantum physics it's exactly what you said this there is no out there this is all an internal process and that's one of the reasons we have so much power over it and so people should really take heart at that, uh, you know, and be happy about that fact, I think. Mm. Yeah, and then you think about those who grew up with, in a really bad childhood. The only way, I guess, to, well, you'd always, you'd say if somebody tell you their childhood was horrible or some experience, then the question would be, well, I guess you need to be reborn, not in another body, but you need to somehow renew your mind so you leave that behind and start creating something new for yourself. I wanted to ask you, could you give our off-the-shelf listeners an overview of how to attract money using mind and power? And there are millions of people who are trying to do this and not pulling it off. So that's definitely something I want to ask you on this show. Why are millions putting so much in, not only money, going to seminars, spending thousands a year, listening to tapes, doing the, putting the vision boards together, and they're still not pulling it off. But if you could just tell our listeners first, just an overview of how to attract money using mind and power. Right. Well, to do that, to give a, like a, a comprehensive but brief overview, I'll just look to the, the table of contents in the book. And uh, chapter one is on desire. We have to have enough desire to actually make us do what we need to do to get what we want. Chapter two is on belief. We need to actually come to believe that it's not only possible for us to do it, but that we can do it 
and will do it. Expectancy is chapter three, where we actually come to expect it. You know, if I expect it to rain today, I'm going to bring a um, an umbrella with me. So it's that kind of expectancy where we actually assume that something's going to come about. Uh, money mindset is all of the thoughts and feelings and images we have having to do with money at all. So we uh, help people in the book here to develop that. Setting specific money goals. Uh, it's not mandatory, but it can be very helpful, especially for larger money goals. Uh, think end results uh, ties into that's chapter six to what I was talking about earlier, where because we know how the mind works, we want to start thinking about the end results we want. We want to stop thinking about and worrying about things that we don't want to happen because we're helping to cause those things. Think and feel as if. Uh, chapter seven is basically we always want to think and feel as if those things those financial eventualities that we want to come about either are now or will will be reality. Speak as if, same thing. We always want to speak as if those financial eventualities that we'd like to see come about either are now or will be reality. Uh, chapter 9, act as if. This is a line in the sand. A lot of people that you're, like you're talking about, millions of people, they're going to seminars, they're you know, uh, doing affirmations, this, that, and the other, but they're not acting as if. In other words, they're not really uh, going out on faith. Like when I when I quit my job to finish my book, and it was 50, our, our household was fifty thousand dollars in credit card in debt. I acted as if everything would be okay. I acted as if the money I needed would come in, and it did. So a lot of people don't act as if, and so that's a a big uh, clue to the universe that you really don't believe and expect. Because if you really did, you would act as if. And then. Um, Chapter 10, affirmations. Chapter 11, visualization. Chapter 12, environment. People don't understand. Uh, we talked a little about the fact that this is all an inner experience, and our environments are a reflection of our our outer environments, a reflection of our inner environment, and vice versa. Now, if we improve our mindset, our, our uh, money mindset, then our outer environment will change but also if we improve our outer environment we organize our house uh, and our desk for instance that helps us think more clearly so we can work that from from both angles uh, organization is very important that's chapter 13 mind power is all about organization organizing our thoughts in a certain way and uh, organization is about in, in many ways um, uh, simplification and prioritization you know it, it goes deep it's not just about thinking positive and saying, oh, I'm a multimillionaire. That's not quite enough. And then there's uh, chapter 14 is on the laws of money. And I'm going to turn to that real quick. So, you know, the first law of money is basically, uh, and we can go into any of all of this uh, further if we want later, but uh, just in a nutshell, uh, that money goes where it flows. Money goes where it's welcome. Money goes where it's appreciated. Money goes where it's respected, and money goes where it's given out from. And so those are basic uh, laws of money that, that determine how money flows through the universe between human beings. And uh, 15 is intuition. Now, in the beginning of the mind power process, we are programming in what we want into our subconscious minds in the universe. At some point, uh, and that's an active process, at some point it will become a much more um, in part a passive process now that we've programmed in what we want to the universe and our subconscious minds the subconscious minds and the universe will start showing us our part of what we need to do we need to be open to that 
a lot of the people you're talking about, I'm guessing, they don't have faith. They have this idea to do something, but they second-guess themselves. Mm. And, uh, six, right? And then uh, Chapter 16 is on plans, planning. There's nothing quite like writing things down and putting them in order to clear them up in your mind so that your your subconscious mind and the universe have a direction to go in, not just a not just an end result, but start having some kind of a plan in place. Right livelihood is chapter 17, and it's a very uh, you know you can use these mind power principles and techniques to attract a lot of money uh, without finding your right livelihood, but when you do find it, like, you know, you look at the, the top actors and music people, and when, when you really find your right livelihood and you put heart and soul in that and make that your thing, uh, the universe has a way of just opening up everything for you. Uh, chapter 18 is on self-image. A lot of people, they're going to the seminars, they're doing all that, but they don't have a self-image of themselves as the type of person who is able to accomplish the things they want to accomplish or able to uh, attract the kind of money they want to attract or even that they deserve it. They question whether or not they deserve it. They don't have the self-image of a person who even deserves it. So even if they get have some successes, then we always see uh, a lot of times people sabotaging their success. 19 is on uh, personal energy, and that has a lot to do with our intentions and, and uh, in attention and things like that. But it also has a lot to do with physical health because our physical brains um, are, you know, between us and our minds basically and, and our physical bodies, and these are the instruments that we're using. So to have them be healthy so that we can have more energy to use towards our goals makes a lot of sense. And then chapter 20 is uh, radiate financial increase. Uh, in other words, we want to rate, constantly radiate out that which we're trying to attract because that helps us to uh, attract it. And so we want to help other people have this feeling of wealth and attraction and abundance and prosperity. And so that just really – that's 20 chapters. Um, I quote um, eight um, – let's see. I, yeah, I quote – how many do I quote? One, two, three, four, five – yeah, eight. Uh, other books in each chapter. So 8 times 20 gives us 160 quotes. So that's just in a nutshell to show you that this it's not just, uh, oh, ask, you know, ask, believe, receive. Oh, it's so simple. It's not. I, I approach this from many different angles, both metaphysical and practical. And when you tie it all together, it's just an irresistible force uh, that the universe can cannot um, ignore. It just can't. Mm. Now, you what what would you say from? Do you work with individuals? Do you work with people, uh, almost like a consultant? That they come to you and they say, I, "This is what I, I want to do this," and I've been trying to do it for twenty years, and I've I've put money into go, going to college. I've gotten degrees. I've done internships. I worked in this field, and I still haven't pulled it off. Do you work with people? And then and that question is leading into this question. What would you say are the top two things that literally keep stopping people over and over from manifesting what they want? Right. Well, um, over the years, I and I still routinely, uh, as I can, um, answer people's questions on social media, either public or private uh, messages, uh, even emails, you know, from my my e-zine readers or whatever. So I routinely try to help people uh, as I go along uh, without charging them. It's 
kind of a one-on-one thing, but it's, you know, limited to a question or two. I did not too long ago start to offer uh, private coaching. So if people go to my website, James, dot com, and um, I think it says coaching, coaching tab, uh, they, can, they can read about that. Um, but I think, you know, people ask me what's the top this or the top that or the top two, and I think over – like in different interviews, if you hear me, I'll give different answers because it's kind of like there are no main two, like, you know, 80% of the people, it would be these two, but there are main ones. Um, two of them I can think of right now, and they go, they tie in with the chapters that, that are really, really big ones. Two of them is acting as if people don't act as if what they're purporting to believe or they're purporting to try to create with mind power or the law of attraction, they don't act as if they actually believe it's going to happen. And number two, and this is, uh, you know, really big, and it's something we're doing constantly, and that is the way we talk. Chapter mm-hmm. eight is on um, speak as if, and uh, uh, I can uh, read a quote or two from that chapter. Um, here's one from Julia Seaton, The Science of Success from 1914. She wrote, If we listen to the words of the failure multitude, we will soon learn that by their words they are justified and condemned, which means basically, end quote. So which means what? They get what they say. Um, Georgiana Tree West from Prosperity's Ten Commandments, 1944, wrote, The laws of mind go into operation through our words. And then one more from Walter DeVoe, Mystic Words of Mighty Power from 1905, He wrote, thoughts are living things, and spoken words give to thoughts a body of physical vibrations, which makes them still stronger, and end quote. So I wanted to read a a few of those because I want people to know this this isn't just my my thoughts and theories. I mean, I quote 160 other um, authors in this book, and that they think, well, you know, what is what I what I talk about have anything to do with anything? I mean, I'm talking like that because that's how things are. That's what the what the material minded person yes. says. Yes, right. That that James, not to interrupt you. That I'm telling you, even mm-hmm. as, as much as I've learned and practiced, I, that's something I still work work on. You look right out 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 at the world because we're not the only one here manifesting. There are billions of people manifesting, and there's, some say there's even more than one dimension, but. And this one is billions manifesting. So we're looking at it where everybody's manifested, and we say, I'm just telling you what what is. In other words, I'm, tell, I'm just telling you what everybody else has already manifested might help us to change our minds rather than saying, this is the way it is and I can't change it because it's just me and I don't have the power to change it. I can see where somebody could say that, though. You look out your window and you're right. like, but... <laughs> and I didn't, you know, this stuff was here before I got here. So that I can understand what, but back to your point, that can actually become something that can stop you. Right. Well, the I like to say the material-minded person says, well, I talk that way because that's the way things are. And the metaphysically-minded person might jump in and say, no, that's the way things are is because that's how you're talking. So it's the chicken or the egg. What came first, the circumstance or the words and the thoughts and, and, the, and the assumptions and the perception? Um, well, if we believe the mystics and the quantum physicists, we will have to come to the conclusion, I think, that 
it is the words coming first. It is the thoughts and the images coming first. Things are not, you know, in, in quantum physics, they, they discovered that, um, you know, basically I'm simplifying it, but that, first of all, the same as the mystics have been saying all along, the observer and the observed are not separate. And the big one is that the act of observation in and of itself is a creative act, meaning that when we look at something, that thing is affected by our attention on it. And so how does that affect the thing? Well, it, it depends on our minds. Are we thinking it's a bad thing? Then it might get worse. Are we thinking it's a good thing? Are we expecting you know, this? Are we expecting that? And so reality is not actually being discovered by science. It's, it's being created. We are not discovering what is so. We are creating it as we go along. And so much of it is just pure illusion. It's it's a dreamlike scenario happening, and the, you know some of the you know the deeper thinkers have have known this, that um, this is all basically a dream, illusion. You know the world of Maya, whatever we want to call it, uh, it's proceeding forth from our minds. We are not, you know, minds perceiving what is out there. We are minds that are projecting out there what we then perceive and there is nothing out there other than the energy and the consciousness that we're interpreting but we're also transmitting it yeah <laughs> it you, you and and I can tell you studied it and studied it and work with it because if and if you're not ready to to receive it it'll it'll be mumble jumble and the scriptures say that if you don't believe something and you're not ready to believe it just like people who think some people who think that anybody would believe in Christ or God, they think it's foolishness. If you don't believe in it, it will be like a foreign language. And when you're ready to receive something, you have this understanding it just seemingly comes out of nowhere. Now, where do James? Where do our money mindsets come from, and how can we change them? Right. Well, our money mindsets basically, you know, starting out, they're pretty much thrust upon us. You know, we're born into a family. We're born into a, a wider, uh, you know, uh, economic uh, field that we're in, whether we're, we live in a poor part of town, whether our parents are rich, uh, super wealthy. So, and we hear, we, we see that there's either lack or abundance. We hear our parents and other people talking about money, you know, times are rough and it's hard to get a job and you know the big guy is uh, holding all the cards and the rich get richer and it takes money to make money or on the other hand you have people growing up just in opulence and and opportunity and there's always business deals going on or investments paying off or you know vacations around the world and so that's our money mindset is basically for and then we start getting older and we start you know, we work and we listen to, you know, the media and everything's, you know, reinforced one way or the other. For the masses, you know, the, the main messages I think we get are that it's it's a dog-eat-dog world and mm-hmm. it's it's very competitive and it's very yeah. hard to, to be super successful. And uh, but so that's how it's formed. It basically comes from the outside first, but then we reinforce it and we embellish it and, you know, we feed it. And so we create this this money mindset, which is the thoughts and the feelings and the images that we have. 
um, associated with money. Now, how do we change that is we first understand that the process is happening, that we do have this thing I call a money mindset, and that it is either attracting or repelling money to us all the time. And then we start to change its basic elements, its building blocks, which are the thoughts and the feelings and the images. And, th- and then through, through other techniques in the book, you know, think in results, think as if, speak as if, all of those ways, uh, setting goals, um, following your intuition, those are all ways that we in- increase our, the positivity of our money mindset and our, our own belief and expectancy, all the other chapters in the book, it, it, they all intertwine. Like we can't do one thing without inadvertently doing one or more of the others. For instance, if we're doing an affirmation, you know, that's one chapter, we're automatically uh, creating some sort of image associated with that. Well, that is uh, visualization, another chapter. But we're, we're also thinking an end result. That's another chapter. See, you, you try to do one thing, you can't do it in a, in a bubble. And so that's why it's so powerful. The, the process when you, you know, your environment, when you take this all into consideration and you understand what's going on and then you work it uh, to your benefit, uh, that's how you turn around your money mindset over time. And it doesn't need to, you know, take a very long time before you start seeing results. Um, but the ground zero is accepting the fact that you have one, a money mindset, that it is attracting and repelling money to you all the time, you and every other human being on earth, and that you have the ability to change its basic building blocks and therefore make it more positive and more attractive to more money. It's just a process. Once you understand it, you work the process. Mm. How can we spot, James, and thanks for uh, everything you're sharing. I hope and pray that somebody listening to the show, it this really clicks. This really clicks and their life changes. How can we spot, you know, the uh, Thankfully for Sigmund Freud, he started having thoughts that he didn't want, and he was wondering where did these come from. We're talking again, like earlier, things happen that you don't want and you don't realize you actually help create that. And a lot of times that is so hard for us to accept. So he's having these thoughts he didn't want, so he's started to become curious instead of trying to you know attacking himself, like we'll just attack ourselves, I'm so dumb, I'm so stupid. He just started to investigate it, and that's where he discovered about the subconscious. So and this is a part of our mind. We literally hide these things from ourselves. But I think it, even our subconscious gives us conscious clues to what it's doing. How can we spot subconscious money blocks? How can we, how can we spot them? What are some signs that we're having a particular money block? We can basically look at our own circumstances, first of all. Very simple. Look at your bank account. Look at your paycheck. Look at where you live. And that that right there is spotting the results of your present money mindset. Also, how do what are our thoughts? What are our feelings? You know, what, what are our expectations? And uh, what is our self-image? regarding money. So we just look at all of these elements and we can determine that um, things are not going well. We have a lot of room for improvement. And uh, when we understand that it is our subconscious minds that are creating everything, but that through our conscious minds, we can determine what we 
allow and encourage to reach our subconscious mind, then we have the key. Um, so the, the root cause, to simplify it, would be negative thoughts and feelings and images regarding money. That's basically the root cause at its most simplest form. Now, how do we stop having negative thoughts and fear and um, emotions and, and images? Well, some people try to fight them or deny them or, you know, uh, figure out where they came from. There's all kinds of ways of doing things. Maybe some ways work for people. What, what I've found over the, the decades um, is that the best way to uh, spot them is, like I said, you just look at reality and you'll see. You look at the outer and the inner, what's going on, and you'll know. So first you want to spot them. Then you want to stop them. You want to stop those that are not um, productive. And the best way I know to do that is not to give any thought to them at all, but to start to putting your mind on their opposites because, you know, uh, energy goes where attention flows. So once I determine, oh, this, this whole line of reasoning or thinking over here is really disempowering and it's going to cause me problems, well, I don't want to dwell on it anymore. I don't want to get even more concerned about I want to say, okay, I have a fear I can't pay my rent. Well, now I have to develop the confidence that I always can pay my rent. How can I do that? Oh, well, let's see. How about if I come up with a with a uh, affirmation? I'm always so happy and grateful now that I pay. I always pay my rent on time. Um, or and visual, visualize myself handing over that check happily each month. So the the cure for the disease, which is the negative thinking, is its opposite, which is the positive thinking. And that's how we turn this thing around. Now, whatever we we're, we're creatures of habit. We've all heard that phrase. We habitually do what we habitually do. So if we start to think more positively um, and recognize when we're not and change it quickly, well, we'll do more of that because we habitually do what we habitually do. Now, most people are thinking disempowering negative thoughts regarding money and finances and their prospects for all of that uh, more than half the time. And and for many, many people, it's way, way more than half. You're talking 80, 90, 95%. Um, and so as we start turning it around, then we will see that our percentage of thinking positively will go up uh, incrementally over time. And then we reach that magic point, which it's, if I, I, I visualize a – I think of it as a football field, and you got the 50-yard line, and that one, the first 50 yards is the negative thinking, and the next 50 yards to the goal line is the positive thinking. Well, once we cross that goal line, and once we, I mean that um, that center line, and we cross the 50-yard line, and we're thinking now we're thinking positively about money and, and empowering and optimistically 51% of the time, now the train kind of takes off because we habitually do what we habitually do. Now we're thinking positively and empoweringly about money more than half the time, and so that growth becomes exponential to where the the negative thoughts are going to be recognized uh, quick, more, more and more quickly and switched to their positive counterparts more and more quickly till you literally get to the point where 90, 95% or more of the time, you're thinking in empowering positive ways about money. And, you know, and that's when and you things really start to flow. And, I, I, and thank you for what you shared and, and agree. And I, one thing I do want to say, 
uh, as we have a little less than 10 minutes in today's show, at some point to the listener, this has been my experience, you have to take action. And you may it, it, it may go, like you said, following intuition. Just to keep doing positive affirmations, looking at pictures, imaging yourself doing something. The scriptures say without works, faith is dead. So it's like if you really believe in something and you get an intuitive prompt or whatever, and you don't never act on them, uh, and you just keep saying positive things, and then you may get no change. At some point, you have to put what you believe into action, and you're going to have to make a move. <laughs> and that's where sometimes our, our fears, we have to work beyond our fears. Sometimes you just have to do stuff while you're scared. And a lot of people have gotten major breakthroughs doing things while they were afraid. If you, if Well, they felt afraid if you know you got to do something. Just doing visualizations, affirmations is alone, I don't think it's going to bring it. You have to take some action. You're going to have to do something. That's been my experience. Right. And uh, and I agree with all that, but I'll also um, add that, um, especially when we get intuitive promptings of what we're supposed to do, uh, we need to act, or we have plans, we need to act on them. But things mind power is very powerful and it's not only causing our actions and habits and activities to change but it's causing the world at large out there i I went one time uh decades ago from being ten thousand dollars in credit card debt which may as well have been uh you know ten million dollars at the time to being uh debt free within a four to six week period and how did i do that well i did one simple affirmation all of my credit cards are completely paid off and I did that affirmation through the weeks. I became more and more empowered that this was true, but I had no idea of what to do, so there was no action I could take. At the end of that short period, I actually received a gift for $10,000. Someone who, wow. who I told about my debt had just come into a whole bunch of money, and they actually wrote me a check on the spot for $10,000, which I deposited the next day and then just paid off each uh, balance of each card, whether it was 500 or 3500 whatever each card was, I paid it off as it came in. And so action is very important, and a lot of people fall down on the job, but also people should uh, be excited by the fact that a lot of what is going to happen to bring our uh, good to us is not going to be what we do. It's actually going to be other people. Uh, circumstances and events, people's thoughts and feelings will all start to morph to help bring about our um, vision. And so definitely action is very important, especially when it's well-guided through intuitive prompts, as you call them. Follow our intuition because that's the universe telling us our part. But a lot of it will be done by other people as well. And, uh, you know, events and circumstances in general. And so we can have windfalls, uh, you know, just happen. I, I, I had uh, two six-figure windfalls within a three-month period after quitting my job and being $50,000 in credit card debt. And it was mostly people out there that started doing things differently that helped to bring those about. So mind power is very powerful, and it, you can actually attract money with no action. Sometimes there's nothing for you to do because what needs to be done can't be done by you. Other people have to do it. But we definitely mm-hmm. do want to do our part and be receptive to that as well. I had two more questions, and I hope I have time to get to them uh, that I wanted to ask you. I actually had probably almost 15 more questions, but we don't have time for all of them. Can you give us an example 
uh, and I've heard this, Yana Van Zandt said, one day my soul opened up. She had been living with a man who was married for uh, um, more than 10 years. And one day she said she was laying there and something in her just shifted and she couldn't do it anymore. Can you give an example for somebody listening to this show of a wake-up call? You talked about our patterns and our habits and we sort of, I guess, numb ourselves. It's not just people taking drugs or drinking alcohol. We mentally, mentally, a lot of us who are quote-unquote sober will just numb ourselves and we just go into a pattern. Can you give an example of what is a wake-up call when that wake-up call comes and you can't ignore it? Well, for me, the biggest one in my life that changed my entire life was when uh, I had been working on how to track my easy mind power for about eight years. I'd moved around a lot during that time, hadn't made a lot of money in that. Well, I had attracted pretty good, even a six-figure windfall in there, but uh, at this time was $50,000 in uh, credit card debt. And so my wake-up call was that I'm going, and I was working a very low-paying job as a caregiver to a senior, uh, a developmentally disabled senior man in his home. My wake-up call came when I realized that my card balances are getting too high. My cards are going to shut me off. They're not going to just keep loaning me money every month to pay my bills and to pay them back each month my minimum payments. And I realized it was a wake-up call that I realized I was heading for a shopping cart and living under a bridge in very short order. And that wake-up call, it was like a spiritual epiphany. I realized I'm going to have to live what I'm teaching. I'm going to have to act as if in this moment. I immediately quit my job. I went into silence for 10 uh, days. I, I devoted all my time and energy to um, to the book. Within three months, uh, we received two six-figure windfalls into the house and not having to do with the book. A year later, I published the book, and I, my life has never been the same. But that was my wake-up call that unless I do something drastic, um, I'm going to be homeless and without credit. And I took action as I was guided to from within, and that was a turning point in my life. Wow. So, but see, that just almost self-love, too, because I think some of us, our self-concept might be so low that we don't feel we have the power to change. So whatever happens to us, we're like, there's nothing I could have done to change it. But there is, and I hope people listening to the show will see that. What, when it comes to manifesting, and there's so, there's so much we could cover and so much more I wanted to, but when it comes to manifesting, James, what are brushstrokes? Right. Um, from my book, Advanced Manifesting uh, Made Easy, it basically has to do with a, um, uh, you've got to kind of read it in the book and go along, but it shows you, it, 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 discussing this concept of when is a painting a painting? Is it upon the last brushstroke? Can we call it a painting before that? And, well, yes, we can. We can call it a half-completed brushstroke, I mean painting. And so it's really uh, quite a revelation in the book. It's a real page-turner, even though it's not a a fiction. It's not a story. Um, But it just shows – it brings us all the way back. The brushstrokes, of course, are our thoughts and actions or whatever, but it brings us all the way back to – pre-picture. In other words, the, 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 it, it's right along with quantum physics, but the picture was real 
uh, not only after the last brush stroke or the 500 or even the first or even a tenth of a brush stroke, but before any brush stroke was made. That's a big lesson in the book uh, that when I think it's very powerful when people read the progression and then have that revelation. Uh, okay. You know what? I can't thank you enough for what you've shared. You have really blessed me and I hopefully uh, other listeners who tuned in live today and who will tune in to the archives. So thank you, James, for what you shared. And for those who might have come in um, in the middle of the show after it finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it as many times as you want in its entirety. And we've been speaking with James Goy, Goy, G-O-I, James Goy Jr. He's the, He's known as the abstract money guru, and some of the books that he's uh, written include How to Attract Money Using Mind Power, Ten Metaphysical Secrets of Manifesting Money, Advanced Manifesting Made Easy, and The God Function. We only hit the tip of the iceberg. I had so many other questions that I wanted to ask him, but I want to thank James for being here with us, and you can search him online. His website is jamesgoyjr.com, J-A-M-E-S. G O I J R dot com. So his last name is spelled G O I. Again, you can search him on, on online. He'll come up, you know, Amazon, et cetera. And then his website again, J A M E S G O I J R dot com. So I want to thank James Goy for being here with us this morning. And I want to repeat uh, the quote we started the show with from Simone de Beauvoir. Change your life today. Don't gamble on the future. Act now. Without delay And and as I always tell you You are awesome You are amazing You are incredible Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself See you back here next Saturday 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Tell your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors Book lovers everywhere To tune in to Off the Shelf Book Talk Radio On Saturday mornings 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much, James. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our loyal listeners and our new listeners who catch off the shelf. James, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you again. Bye for now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.